This is Chapter 8 of The War on Waste Paradox, Part 1, read by Len Bertain. By the end of the first week of class, we all realized that Quality Pump was in a world of trouble. One of the main things that became clear to everyone was that our problems weren't just on the shop floor, they were everywhere. If Bonnie and or Mr. Diamond were out of the office when an order came in, the order might get lost for days at a time. There was lots of money at risk for Mr. Grimes because many of the lost orders had penalties for late delivery, and we always seemed to be late. The sales department was sloppy, accounting was incompetent, production was inefficient, engineering had no clue, and the shipping and receiving area was in a fog. During the first week, we found out that the purchasing department took 95 steps to get a purchase order through the system. One of the other classes had figured the cost of lost time in processing such an order, and it was terrible, it was over $200 in wasted time on our part and that of the supplier. Mr. Grimes almost went crazy when he looked at these problems. How was he ever going to get out of this mess? It seemed that our left hand didn't know what our right hand was doing. Mr. Grimes had put his heart and soul into this business, and it was being torn apart in front of him daily in the classes. One day he would see light at the end of the tunnel, and the next day another problem would come up and that he didn't know about. Everyone knew this was not an easy time for Mr. Grimes. He had to eat crow, and we weren't providing any ketchup. Dr. Elby had said at the beginning that during the war on waste process, it is okay to provide ketchup to the boss while he was eating crow. Everyone liked Mr. Grimes now, and we hated to see him suffer from our ideas. It made sense that he wouldn't like the input, but he was enduring it all with great courage. I talked with Gus and some of the other guys and was told that Mr. Grimes had started Quality Pump in an office across town. Apparently, Mr. Grimes had a degree in mechanical engineering and started to rep pumps for a small pump manufacturer. During the early days, he had to repair pumps as they failed in the field. When he got them back in the shop, he noticed that most of the pumps were failing for the same reason. Being a gifted engineer, he redesigned the lower end of the pump where the bearing and shaft assembly came together. A patent was issued to him and Quality Pump was born. He started in a small building and quickly outgrew it. Then Mr. Grimes bought a large piece of property outside of town where he built the current plant. The plant had been remodeled and expanded a couple times over the last 40 years, but it certainly wasn't the most efficient layout. As one of the guys pointed out, it felt like Mr. Grimes had lost a crazed rat to help him in the design of the additions. Most of us could agree on that. Mr. Grimes had expanded the plant without any real master plan. The expansions were usually forced on him by an unexpected order that extended over a long period of time, or a new client with strong potential. Whatever the reasons for the layout, it was clearly very wasteful. Sometimes we had to move the work all around the shop to get it done. In analyzing the layout, we knew, identified a new category of waste we called the waste of poor plant layout. 
Dr. Elby told us that this waste was actually two separate wastes. One was a waste of building and the equipment, and the other was waste of poor planning. It became apparent as Dr. Elby worked with us that the whole business was like the plant. We found a lot of processes and paperwork that generated waste. They might have made sense when they were put in place, but now they were just dragging the whole business down. As Dr. Elby had said, today's problem, the solution is tomorrow's problem. And boy, we saw a lot of those problems. Our class alone had now come up with 70 different wastes. On Monday morning, I walked into a class a few minutes before 7. A few guys were standing around looking at the bulletin board. I joined them and saw the usual stuff on the board, the list of wastes from each class, a no-blame poster in which somebody had written the word remember. Tacked onto the middle of the board was a handwritten memo from Mr. Grimes that said, Waste reduction is our number one goal. Buck stood next to me and saw the memo and laughed. Boy, isn't this a trip. It's just like all the other rockets that Mr. Grimes launches. First it was quality circles, then statistical process control. Now this. He pointed to the bulletin board. I really like what he's doing, but I get a, I get a strong feeling that's just another one of those rockets. Buck was pretty hard to ignore. He knew Mr. Grimes very well. I'd been afraid that this was going to be like those other programs too, but for some reason, I didn't have that feeling now. Mr. Grimes and Roland came in and sat down precisely at 7 o'clock. Dr. Elby entered the classroom. Good morning, he said. I trust you all had a restful weekend. Tony said, you ruined mine. How's that, Tony? Tony pulled out a sheaf of paper and said, I couldn't get to sleep Friday night. All the stuff that we've been talking about in class kept running around in my head. I went to bed early because I was going hunting in the morning, but I couldn't get to sleep. I got up and tried to make sense out of that damn list of wastes. By the time I got to bed, it was late. I think I hit the sack around 3.30 in the morning. Saturday morning, I got up too late to go hunting, so I spent the whole weekend trying to come up with some solutions for our problems. My wife thinks I'm crazy. She says I'm just a damn machinist and I ought to leave well enough alone. Well, Dr. Elby replied, in a way, she's right. You are a machinist, but more importantly, you really believe that you can make a difference. Everybody does. The reason these classes are such powerful stimulants is they make you realize that everybody's job is on the line. You should be worrying about things we discussed in class. I'm glad I ruined your vacation. I think with that kind of enthusiasm and ingenuity, the problems in this company will be overcome. Dr. Elvie paused a moment and then addressed the class. Did anyone else have a weekend like Tony? About 80% of the class, including me, raised our hands. I had spent the weekend trying to do a better layout of the area where we made the valve bodies. Dr. Elby was excited. Excellent. Later on in the week, we're going to break up into teams and work on some of the opportunities for improvement. These teams will be assigned a project responsibility to find $100,000 of waste that can be fixed for a cost of less than $2,000. In about two weeks, 
you will then be asked to make a presentation to management. We'll spend more time on this later, so keep your ideas coming. With that, he walked to the board and he wrote the words, Process Map. Today, we're going to about talk about process, but not just on the shop floor. We're going to talk about what happens from when the time and order is placed until the product is shipped to the customer. We're not going to stop measuring the process there. We're going to go on to another major event in the sales process. It follows the shipment of products to customers. And it is the most important thing that occurs in any business. Does anyone have any idea what I'm referring to? So far, Roland had not volunteered much during the class. He seemed to be above participating with us unless his department was being attacked, and then he would go into overdrive as on the defensive. Now Roland decided to jump into the discussion. Dr. Elby, I think that what you are looking for is the shipment of the invoice with the order. Dr. Elby looked for a, at Roland for a second and said, does everyone agree with him? Nobody said anything. Then Buck jumped in. Like you said, Dr. Elby, the most important thing that our customers do after receiving our pumps is send us money. Cold, hard cash. No checks, please. Everyone in the class chuckled at Buck's little lighthearted response. Dr. Elby stood where Mr. Grimes was seated. Mr. Grimes was a little upset at Buck's breezy attitude. Dr. Elby said, I don't know what anyone else thinks, but I think he's got it. Buck understands that the rule number one in business is to get paid. I'm not joking. It is very important to send a bill, and I also agree with Roland. You must, Roland, you must start there. That's why accounts receivable is so important. If they do their job right and they collect in a timely manner from your customers, you'll survive. Too many customers isolate sales from collections. Salespeople keep taking orders from customers that have a problem paying. Dr. Elby moved near Roland as he said this and was talking to him as if no one else was in the room. Roland jumped up and said, Are you implying that we're taking orders from flakes that were giving away this stuff? Dr. Elby responded, I really don't know anything about your customers. What is the current value of accounts receivable? Roland looked sat down. He looked at Mr. Grime, who nodded his head. Roland said, I don't have the exact figures, but it's probably around $1.9 million, give or take. Dr. Elby then looked at Mr. Grimes and inquired if that figure was accurate. Mr. Grimes responded sharply, it's $2.83 million exactly, not giving or taking anything. Mr. Grimes seemed angry that Mr. Diamond did not know the exact answer. He knew that accounts receivable was very important to the success of his business. Dr. Elby had clearly set Roland up for that situation. I wonder why he would do such a thing. Then I wondered whom else he would set up. After all, nobody likes to be embarrassed. The room was quiet. Dr. Elby smiled at Mr. Grimes and walked over to me. He looked at me and asked, How long did your last setup take? The question caught me a little off guard, but since I had kept records as Dr. Elby had asked, I had the answer. I replied, six hours and 35 minutes. 
as he walked to the front of the room. He said, Good. Roland, I'm sorry that I picked on you, but I wanted to make a point. As we go forward, we're going to have to rethink all the numbers that we report to management. We want everyone in the company to be, be, to be measured by numbers that they use in the daily performance of their jobs. For instance, I just asked over there, pointing to me, about his most recent setup. He knew the status of his work performance from yesterday. And that's what we're going to do for everyone. It's important that you know what you're doing. But more important than anything, you want to know how you're doing. Does everyone understand this principle? Buck jumped right in. Yeah, I understand perfectly. You want us to play the game and know what the score is. I can get behind that. I never did like playing games where the score was a mystery. You never know if you're winning or losing. Duck, Mr. Grimes turned in his chair and said to Buck, You know, Buck, you just cleared up something that nobody has been able to explain to me before. Now I understand that if you play the game, you want to know the score, not weeks or months later. Nobody wants to play that game. But that's what we ask you to do all the time. And he turned to face Dr. Elby. He said, Jack, I think we all understand. That's great. Let's just keep going. That's the end of Chapter 8, Part 1. This is Len Bertain signing off. See you in Part 2. Thank you very much for your time.